Thank you, Jesus. Uh, we're just reminded of your presence this morning. Uh, we're just reminded of the good news of the gospel that reminds us um, that there's nothing can hold us back. And I thank you that uh, at your church this morning, our eyes will be lifted to you, reminded of the resurrection and what you did for us on the cross, that you are alive and with us in every heart and every home and everywhere here on campus. And Lord, we just lift up your name. You're worthy of our praise. We thank you, Jesus. I just want to read a scripture to you uh, this morning before we start, and it's from Matthew 11. And it's the words of Jesus to a very weary world. He said, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I love it how in the message version, he says, watch me, walk with me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. I wonder if in this season, what we desperately desire is not another vacation, but rest for our souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Can we just pray? Father, I just thank you. I thank you for this invitation that comes from you, Jesus, to come to you this morning. And Lord, we come to you with our weary hearts, with our burdens, and I thank you that we can find rest in you and you and you alone. I pray today as your church meets, that in every home, our hearts will be turned to you. I pray, Holy Spirit, that when your word is preached, that lives would be changed. I thank you, Father, for the good news of the gospel and remind us today that you're alive and you're for us and that the church is alive in Jesus' name. And everyone who believed it together would say, amen and amen and amen. Thank you, worship team. It's so good to have you with us. And just a warm welcome for those of you in church and in our homes. And uh, I really am looking forward to uh, celebrating with you this morning, firstly, because the Springboks won. And uh, I don't know about you, but I got a smile on my face uh, this morning. And uh, I must say that last five minutes, my voice sounds a bit croaky this morning. I think with every South African uh, waking up on a Sunday morning and uh, with a smile, but a croaky voice too. And I uh, just love these moments. I love these moments where we get to worship together and remind us that uh, although the Springboks would bring a smile to our face, I wanna tell you, we have a savior that can change our lives. And you know, you know, yesterday, that last five minutes, I was sitting down on the couch watching with some family and that last penalty, scrum penalty happened. And I moved from the couch to within inches of the TV with one of these, like, one of those things. And I think my family looked, I said, I've never seen a guy move so fast in my life. And I, th- I don't think I was the only one, but what I did realize is this, is that, and I watched, we've watched a lot of rugby over the last while, is that um, to watch a live game is quite something. You know, there's only been a couple of times in my life where I've, I've missed a game, I've heard the results, and then I've watched the replay. Now, let me tell you, there's a stark contrast between watching a live game and when you've already know the result and then you watch the replay. When you watch the replay, you recline in your lazy boy, you drink your coffee and taste every taste and you dunk the rusk in it. You're not worried about the ref calls. You know why? Because you know the result. And I thought to myself this morning, when we arrived here as the church, we already know the results. We know because the Bible says that Jesus has already won. So we didn't have to worry about the little riffraff and the little calls that come our way. God is on our side. He's for us. He's changed our lives. Victory has been declared. Look, you know what? We read the end of the Bible. It's Revelation. And it says that Jesus is gonna sort it out. No more tears. That we have been invited into eternity. That our past has been forgiven. Our present is powerful. And our future is secure. And if you believe that this morning, give me a praise hands in the comments bar. But, but more importantly, listen, 
I'm, I'm reminded too that Jesus wrote a, a, to many churches in the book of Revelation, and he writes to a church called Philadelphia. And Philadelphia Church, they were living on an earthquake line. It was very unstable. And every couple of years, an earthquake, and they'd have to rebuild their buildings. And when you rebuild your buildings, you get renamed. And so you had a people that lost their identity and security. And Jesus writes to the Philadelphian church, and he says, you know what? I will put your name, a new name on you, and you shall be a pillar in the community. And I thought to myself, people, maybe you're feeling a little bit unshakable this morning or feeling shakable, but I wanna tell you, Link Church, God wants to put his name on you. You have the name of Jesus Christ on you and you are a pillar in the community, a pillar in the community. I love the fact that we don't fight for victory, we fight from it. And uh, we're just so grateful. We didn't deserve it. And yet that is the kindness and grace of God. And so today, uh, I really, what I've loved about this Father's series, I remember growing up, had three younger brothers, and when it was just my mum and three of us at home, we felt this insecurity. But when dad came in the home, it felt like we could sleep at night. And I think over the last while, um, just grateful for the preaching in the church around a father, because I think for me, and there's so many to comment on that, but one thing that stood out, it reminds me of that hymn, Blessed Assurance. It feels like the Father's come and I, there's a security that I've built within. There's a strength that's come with it. And you see, because when the Father walks into the room, everything changes. And you might have not had an earthly father, but I wanna tell you there's a heavenly father that wants to bring you security, wants to remind you that I have a name, that he sees you, he knows what you're going through. And have we not been through some tumultuous times? Have we not been through times where have shaken us a bit and feels like things have got out of hand? We have here. We have not just here in South Africa, but around the world. And I really believe that God today, as I wrap up this series, that really wants to speak to our hearts, specifically, really personally. I think He wants to minister to us. And um, you know what I love is uh, that scripture I read earlier. It says, come to me all who are weary. And, and just today, I really, I wanna have a conversation around this thought. Um, that could it be that you and I could get wisdom uh, for the weary. I don't know whether you're feeling a little bit brokenhearted or you're feeling a little bit um, shaken up by what's happened the last while and it feels like it's still not getting better. But I wanna tell you that God has, has wisdom for us who are weary this morning. Um, I wonder, maybe the better question is, how do I feel up and feel strong in a very fatigued world? Um, may, maybe the better question is, how do I walk tall in a weary land? Perhaps another way of looking at it is, how do I bring fresh legs to a dry space? And, and maybe God wants to speak to you today if you're feeling a little bit weary. Uh, because here's what I know about weary is that I think we think sometimes we've made an assumption about weary people. We think they're weak. But just by show of hands, of those of you who are with on campus, if anyone thinks that Jesus is weak, won't you put your hand up quickly? Okay, no one. No one's, no one's commented online either because Jesus wasn't weak. But it does say in John 4, when he came to the woman at the well, he said he was tired and he was weary. In other words, uh, weariness is not weakness. It's just part of our human DNA. It's just, it just happens because of life. If you've lived long enough and you've got a couple of wrinkles on the side of your eyes yeah, I like how Angus Buckin says they're war maps. It's because you've been some, you've been some stuff, you, you realize that you know, discouragement and weariness are gonna come through. I think if weariness had a brother, his name would be discouragement. You know, the prefix to dis, to anything, disappoint, dis, is to pull away from what it was intended for. We were born for courage, but dis is to pull away. Vince Lombardi said this so well. He said, you know what? Fatigue makes a coward out of us all. We tend to separate ourselves from life. We isolate ourselves. We tend to become, I don't know about you, but I have a little pity party. I think, why has it happened to me? What's wrong with me? 
But I want to encourage you this morning because I think all of us are on a journey with God in this season. And what if He has wisdom for you today in your weary surroundings? You know, I remember 21 years ago to this day, well, sort of this day, I ran my one and only Comrades Marathon. And, and you know, it was the year 2000 and back, you know, back in my early 20s. And I remember starting the line, there were thousands and thousands and thousands of people in the beginning. But then as you got near Harrison's Flats, it got a lot less. A lot, 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 lot less people on the road. And I wonder if for you and I, we like to start things and we like to finish, but what does it look like when we're in the middle? What does it look like when we get a bit weary? And I think for many of us is, I don't know, I got a feeling that for many who ran that race that day, they gave up. Have you ever, I don't know, I'm asking you now and I'm speaking to you online. Have you ever in the last three months had a moment, you haven't done it publicly, but you've done it secretly, put your hand ups in the air and gone like, I just wanna give up God. I'm not sure whether I can take another day. I don't think I have enough in me to keep moving. Have you ever asked that question? I wonder why we ask that question. You know why? Maybe it's because we got a bit weary. Maybe we're just tired and fatigued. And so today I wanna pull back a bit. I wanna go to a story that's written 4,000 years ago, but yet has relevance for us today. It's a story about the people of God that have been sent into exile. And to be honest, it feels like we've been in exile for 18 months and counting. How long is this pandemic gonna last? Where are we gonna go? I, I, I don't know about you, but I get mixed up. I don't know what year it is anymore. Is it 20, 20, 20, 22, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20. We don't know where we, we're just, we're not quite sure. But you see, you see, here's the thing is that I think here are these people, they're out in exile for 70 years. They've left their home and then God invites them back. The king of Persia takes back Israel and he says to the Jewish people, permission to come back and build. And it says that a man by the name of Nehemiah, he rallies a group of people. He goes back in and he finds the Jerusalem walls knocked down. Anytime a wall's knocked down, it makes you vulnerable. They had no identity, no security. The very things we crave as human beings in a season of calamity. We want some calm here. We want some, give me some identity. Give me some security. Nehemiah, God stirs his heart. He goes back and he starts to build. And so I wanna pick it up uh, in Nehemiah chapter four. And if in your Bibles, you can open it up with me. And... Um, what I really wanna do is I wanna show you what weariness looks like. And then I wanna give you some wisdom. Because in a moment, Nehemiah stands up and he says something that actually gives us wisdom for our weary hearts. Are you ready to go? Let's read it together. Nehemiah chapter four, verse six. And it says this, it says, so we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height. If, you, if you're taking notes, the conversation we're having today is wisdom for the weary, but I want you to write this down, half its heart, half its heart, for the people worked with all their heart. It's amazing how, uh, you know, as I said earlier, we love the beginning and the end, but when we get to the middle of things, that's when the enemy likes to attack us. You know, that's why, you know, I don't know about your life, but in your marriage, when it gets to the middle, that's when it gets tougher. In your business, maybe you've started, been going for a long time, but it's often in the middle that things really come up against you. Uh, that's why they call it, I don't know, when you get to about 40, they call it a midlife crisis. <laughs> I think it goes all the way to 45. <laughs> there's, a, there's, a, there's a tendency when we're in the middle that great opposition comes. Verse seven, you'll hear it comes. It says, but when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs and the Abnonites and the people of Ashod heard that the repairs to Jerusalem walls had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. Verse nine, but we prayed to our God and posted a God day and night to meet this threat. I love Nehemiah. He doesn't just pray, he also posts. 
not social media post, but he, but he, actually, he actually does something. He, he's got a faith, but he puts it at work. Verse 10, it says, Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, The strength of the laborers is giving out. Circle that word, giving out. And there's, there, and there's so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. Verse 11, also our enemy said, before they know it or see us, we will be right among them and will kill them and put an end to their work. Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us 10 times over, wherever you turn, they will attack us. It's amazing how fear gets amplified. You don't have to share negative news, it just happens. Verse 13, therefore I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, their spears and their bows. Verse 14, after I looked over these things, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, I'm so grateful for a man that stood up. I'm so grateful for Jesus Christ who stood up. And it says, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. Four things that I see right in the beginning around weariness and a discouraged heart. And the first thing is this, if you take notes, you can write this down. Number one is fatigue, is fatigue. You see, when, uh, when, when he says that the, the first thing you notice that, that there was strength was giving out. There is, fatigue is spiritual and emotional, nothing left. You got, you know, the, they use it in the rugby terms. It says, when you get on the field, empty the tank. It feels like we've been in a season where it feels like we've emptied the tank. I don't know whether you agree with me or not. But it, when, when, when fatigue sets in, you've got nothing left to give. You are spiritually and emotionally exhausted. And it's amazing when that happens is the enemy loves those moments. In Deuteronomy 25, God said this to the people of Israel. He said, listen, if the enemy is going to attack, it's going to attack those who are weary and fatigued. It's the place where we're most vulnerable. That's where the devil wants to get in and question us and get at our, our weariness. Fatigue. In fact, Eugene Peterson writes it so well in the message version of this texture. He says they were pooped. That, that's a, I mean, that's a, that's a common day language. It was, it was pooped. You know what happens when we get fatigued? Our, our hope becomes a bit hazy. We start, we start to lose our vision. Courage gets sucked out of us. Guess what happens to motivation? Nix. Nothing left. Fatigue sets in us. I don't know why in the last while, but fatigue sets to sit in on us. As I said earlier, we begin to have a little pity party. We blame ourselves. We become the victim. That's our mindset when fatigue sets in. Can I just tell you, you know, Rick Warren said it so well. He said, probably the most spiritual thing, and maybe if you're listening today, the best spiritual advice you'll ever get is to have a good night's sleep. You know, I think, I, don't, I like how in 1 Kings chapter 19, you know, you've got Elijah, a man of God, who's been used. He's brought down fire from heaven. And he gets a report, a fearful report from some lady called Jezebel to say that she's after him and is gonna kill him. He runs and hides in a cave. He is depressed, he's fatigued, he's got nothing left. Guess what God does? You know, I love this, just watch this. You know, when Elijah was faith and he was gung-ho and running, God sent birds, ravens to feed him. When he was depressed and had fatigue and had nothing left, guess what? God arrived himself. The angel of the Lord came to him and he said, you know what advice he said to him? I would have thought the angel of the Lord said, listen, he has three strategies on how to take out Jezebel. He didn't say that. You see what he said? Have a sleep, my boy, and eat some food. Maybe, I don't know, I think wives are just tapping their husbands right now and saying, look, it's not good enough for you to sleep three hours a day. Maybe you need a good eight hour sleep and a good meal. And when you have a good meal, guess what happened to Elijah? He ran and he ran for 40 Ks from then. He, he did what he'd never done before. You know why? He had a good sleep. Maybe, maybe, I don't know, just maybe, 
God speaking to people here today. Maybe you just need a good sleep and a good meal. Fatigue. The second thing I see that he writes in the scripture is he says, he says, the strength of labor is giving out and there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. Two things that stand out for me. One is, is uh, frustration and failing. There's, notice the words, there's so much rubble. You know when frustration sets in for us? It's when, we, when, when the stakes are high and what we plan to work out doesn't work out. I don't know, I remember chatting with Phil, he's saying timelines are big, and you know, when timelines don't, when what you expected doesn't happen, you know what it comes in? Frustration. When you thought that what you could do doesn't happen and you couldn't control it anymore, guess what happens when we get weary and discouraged? Frustration starts to pull up, doesn't it? I had one of those days recently where we'd done a memorial in the morning and things are going, we're busy and then Kath phoned me and said, please can you go and pick up Gracie at Amplali. Now any parent who goes to Amplali at two o'clock realizes that you're gonna walk out of there weary. 45 minutes later, I'm driving in my Hyundai 1.5 road eater at exactly the same place. I locked my keys in the car. I'm driving, I slow up to the robot. I look in my review and I, you know when you notice a car is not stopping? I looked at Grace, he said, Gracie, brace. And we braced, boom, like it's got hit from behind. We shifted across the road. I jumped out the car. There was an elderly lady who got out and she's like, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. I had my mask over me. I'm like, frustration. Anyway, so I looked at her. I said, no, it's fine, no problem. He says, how's Gracie? No, she's fine. And then we had that moment where we exchanged numbers and insurance will cover it. And I'm going, no, it's fine. And then I look, you know, we have that moment where she looks at my car and she says, oh, I'm so sorry. The, the whole boot's been dented in and oof, you can't open. Look, and then, and then we had the moment to turn to her car. And we went to turn to her car. There wasn't a scratch on it. Not a, not a scratch. And she did like nervous kill. <laughs> hey, the Lord is good. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, yeah, thank you. Cheers. I got back in my car. You know, the reality in life is that we all have those frustrating moments when we can't control the outcome. And frustration starts to build. And we ask God, what's going on? And then, and then I thought to myself, you know, so much rubble. You know, when you get this so much, it feels like, I don't know, in your life, you might have a bit of rubble. The challenge is we trip over rubble. We've been in the house for a year and you know, like your cupboards stack up, you, you know how much trash you can accumulate over a year. You just, there's so much, I don't know what personal rubble you have in your life, but we trip over that rubble. Rubble in a relationship, rubble around a marriage, rubble in, in your workplace, rubble. I don't know what rubble you're tripping over, but frustration comes in when we trip over those things. In the rubble, you know, we just trip over it. And the challenge is that, I don't know about you, but sometimes we can't see our own rubble. And every wife just taps the husband going, yeah, you can't see the rubble. We don't. And that often trips us up. And that's when we get frustrated. And then also failure. You know, the enemy, he loves to do that. You know, he said, he said to them, he said, and we cannot build the wall. You know what the enemy loves to do? He loves to come at you and go, mm, who do you think you are building this wall? Nehemiah, who do you think you are? You've got no qualifications. He, he wants to come and make us feel like we're failing. You see, the story is, yeah, they were doing a good thing. They were building the wall. It was just maybe they had to change a couple of things. What they're doing was good. I wanna remind you this morning, what you're doing is good. Building that family, building that business. You're doing a good thing. Maybe you just need to change a thing. But the enemy will come in and he'll question your confidence and question your competence. He'll question your competence. You're looking, you go, do you think you can really do it? Do you think? But, but I thought to myself, you know what, devil, you're asking the wrong question. How do you mean, do you think I can do it? Because it's never been about what I think. It's been about who I think God is. God is able. God is more. He, God can do measurably more than we could ever dream or imagine. It's not about what we think or what we can or cannot do. It's about what God can do. He can do it. 
feel like we've failed. And I love the last one. It says fear, you know, fear sets in so quickly. I must say when opposition comes away and feel a bit weary, notice what it says that 10 times over they got amongst them. Fear, I wish fear was just in a location. I wish it was, but fear is often a voice. You know, I think of David and Goliath when they fought each other. Goliath roared in the valley for 40 days. The voice followed them, went through the mountains. I think sometimes we just wish fear was over there, but actually fear follows us and it amplifies in our life. But you know what fear does is it makes us weary. Fatigue, failure, fear. But I want to turn it around to because I think God has wisdom for the weary. I want to show you what Nehemiah does. Nehemiah stands up and he surveys the area. He just has a look and sees. He says, you're building a wall, it's a good thing. If we just do a couple of things, we're gonna change it around. And the first thing I see, he gets up and he says this, do not be afraid. I, I love that thought, you know. It's one thing to feel afraid, it's another thing to be afraid. Do not be afraid. You know, don't make fear, I think in life we make fear a resident, not a visitor. You know, let fear come in and visit you, but then say, hey, humba. You know, time to get out. You don't live in my house. You don't live in my brain. You don't live in my heart. Fear, it's real. Look, the reality is fear is gonna always be around. It's just how we deal with it. No, 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 fear. Fear, no, no, I overcome fear by faith. Don't be afraid. And he says this, look how he overcomes wisdom. Look at the wisdom. He goes, remember the Lord. And I thought to myself, the word remember. If you're taking notes, one thing, wisdom, just the simple word, repeat. Now you're gonna think, oof, repeat. I didn't mean... To remember is to go over what God has done. I'm reminding the scriptures that God would say, I, I'm looking every year for the Feast of Tabernacles and the Feast of Booth and the Feast of, and God said, I'm gonna put feasts in play, why? Not because it's gonna, it's gonna help me, no, but it's gonna help you. You know why? Because you're gonna go over what I've done. And when you repeat what God has done, you know what you're gonna do? Repeat is to defeat. When you, you, the only way you're gonna defeat the enemy is when you start to repeat some of the promises that God has over your life. If there's one thing that you and I can do in this season is to remember, it's to repeat, because repeat will always defeat. John Wooden, they asked the coach, the greatest American coach, uh, basketball coach, they asked him, what's the secret to success? He said, I got seven principles. They said, really? He said, tell us your seven. He said, inspiration, implement, implementation, repetition, 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 repetition. Guess what number seven is? Repetition. Because what you repeat, you will defeat. You know, my little girl, Anna, she's grade one. She comes home, does homework. Guess what she does? She just repeats bonds all day long and vows all day long. You know why? Because teachers know that what you repeat, you will defeat. You will grow and you will learn. I wonder if in this season, in a weary heart, that God wants to remind us there's great power in what you repeat. I wrote this down. I thought this. I said, when you repeat the gospel, you will renew your strength. When you repeat the promises of God, you will renew power in your life. I wonder if we should repeat some promises this morning. The second thing I see in the stories, he says, remember the Lord, L-O-R-D, the Lord. To remember the Lord is to remember His ways. Guess what the Lord loves? Is for us to walk out of rest. Matthew 11 says, come to me for a real rest. There's an invitation for you now to rest physically, but how many of you know that you can be in Mauritius and not rest in your heart? A real rest, you need a real rest. And Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you that rest. What Nehemiah is saying by remembering the Lord is to remember there's an invitation to rest in Him. The first thing I see is that, you know, that rest, look at the condition of the invite. He says, come to me. Come to, maybe in this season for a weary heart, you know what he doesn't say? Every other religion in the world points outwards. 
go to that place, go and pray here, go and do this. No, before you go to that person or that principle or that place, maybe it's coming to Jesus. He says, come to me. That's, what, that's where rest is found. Second thing is, look at the, look at the condition of this invite. It's an invitation. It's, what's the dress code for this invite? You know what the dress code is? To qualify for this invite? It's for the weary. It's for the discouraged. It's for the fatigued. It's for those who feel like they're failing. I don't know about you, but that's good news for me. Because that means I don't have to be born on that side of the track or this side of the track. It doesn't matter whether I'm rich or poor, black or white. It doesn't matter where I've come from. I can still come to Jesus. It doesn't matter how bad I've been in the past. It doesn't matter how many times I wanted to give up. I don't know matter how many times I feel like I'm failing. No, 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 no. I can come to Jesus today. This isn't just a once-off salvation call. This is an invite for you and I who've known Jesus for a long time to come to Him. Why? Because Jesus says, I won't just show you rest. I will rest you. I will rest you. Look at the consequence of this invite. It's a beautiful one. Guess what He says? He's like, I'm gonna give you rest. You know, I love that thought Jesus says. You know what He says? How am I gonna give you rest? I'm gonna put a yoke on you and you're gonna walk with me. You know, there there really are two ways to live this world. One is we can trust in our own ability or trust in His. And I think this invitation of a yoke is a powerful one. You know, when you think of a yoke, it's an agricultural instrument. They put it over the ox and and they pull the ox and and the ox has to plow. And and you'd think, Jesus, you mean you're gonna unburden me from the world, then I'm gonna come to you. Now you're gonna put another burden on me. And I thought to myself, what does he mean by that to be yoked with him? You know, it would be meaning that I really believe that rest is not just found in, you know, in, 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 a, in a vacation or an escape. No, rest is found in being equipped to fulfill the purpose of God in our lives. True rest comes when we find purpose in God. You know, if I had to take a tree and take it out the soil, do you think I'd unburden the tree? Never, because the tree was meant for the soil. If I was to take a fish out of the sea, Would I unburden the fish? No, because the fish was meant for the sea. You and I were meant to be yoked with Jesus to walk in the purposes of God. True rest is found when your heart is, that means that I can run and I can still battle and I can, because I have Jesus inside of me and I fulfill His purpose. Come to Him. He has the yoke formed and fashioned for you. Trust Him. You know, I think sometimes, I don't know about you, but I quite like uh, this terminology, someone said you can have elevator faith. You know, don't you like elevators? You just press the button, it takes you to new heights. (laughs) You know, when you come to know Jesus, you're in the lobby and you're like, oh, Jesus, I love you. And then you press the button, you say, take me up, Jesus. I know we all want that, but you know what? Jesus doesn't like the elevator, he likes the stairs. And he wants to invite us in on the stairs. And you know what happens on the stairs if we take one step at a time, yoked with Jesus. And when we walk with Him, we get to learn from Him. We get to watch Him and we get to stand with Him. And you know what's amazing about stairs is that when you walk up, you can look down again and see how far you've come. Oh, look how far I've come with Jesus. He's held my hand. He's taken me further than I ever dreamt. It's something I've never deserved, yet I've walked up. Look down and see how far. You can't do that in an elevator, but you can if you walk with Him, yoked to Him, and we can learn from Him. You know, he says in this scripture, what a beautiful promise when Nehemiah says, remember the Lord. You know what Jesus does for the first time and the only time in the whole gospel, Jesus reveals his heart. You know how he describes himself? Gentle and lowly in heart. Isn't that beautiful? Gentle and lowly. That word gentle is the same word used in Matthew 5 where it says, blessed are the meek. You know, we've understood that meekness is not weakness. Meekness is strength under control for the benefit of others. 
You know, you, know, you know how beautiful that is? Jesus is the King of kings, yet He's a humble servant. Jesus is the Lord of lords, and yet He comes down and, and cares for us and carries our burdens. He is gentle in heart and lowly in heart. He loves us and knows us and wants more for us. In fact, He invites us. Are you carrying a burden today? Would you hand it over to me? I'm fitted to carry it for you. You know, there's a guy by the name of Larson. He's a, he's a counselor and coach and lives in New York. And many famous people come and visit him just to get advice. And he says in Fifth Avenue, he lives in Fifth Avenue, he says when they come into his apartment and they start with anxiety or worry, the first thing he says, let's go for a walk. And they walk down onto Fifth Avenue. And when they walk down, they walk to the statue of this man, this giant man with big muscles, and he's holding up this big earth. And he looks at this and he's, he says to the client, look at this, he says, this is one way to live. And he says, come, let's walk along the road. And they walk into the cathedral. When they walk into the cathedral, there's Jesus, a statue of Jesus, and he's holding the world in his hand. And he says, there's another way to live. You know what he's saying? Hand your burdens over to me. I was born to carry it in a discouraged and weary world. Hand your life over to me. I can carry it for you. You know, to be honest, sometimes, you know, Sometimes we feel like we're carrying this big burden up a steep mountain to an impossible destination. But I think Jesus drives past in a truck. He drives past like this and he stops and he looks. He says, do you wanna jump in? Little invite, do you wanna jump in again? I know you're trying to be carrying your burden yourself. Do you wanna jump in? And we go, yes, 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 I accept. Any wise man would do that. Jump on. And we put the bag on and we jump in the back and he takes off Jesus in the truck. But every now and then Jesus looks in the rearview mirror and he goes, Mark, what are you doing? And there I am, holding my burden on the back of a truck. He stops the truck. He says, what are you doing? I was born to carry your burden. Why are you trying to carry it in your own strength? Would you hand it over to me? I will take you to that impossible destination. I will take you to where you've never gone before. Nehemiah said, remember the Lord. Remember Jesus and what He did for you and I. Remember, rest in Him. And the last one is, we can, we can repeat, we can rest. And the last one is refocus. Refocus. He said, remember the Lord, He is awesome and great. In other words, put, take your attention off yourself and put your attention on Him. We were born to do that. I wanna close with this. I, you know, I, I remember watching The Passion and the story of Jesus and His crucifixion. And Many, many years as young, when I was 18, I went and worked in kibbutz and walked through the streets of Jerusalem, those narrow streets. And often I've sat myself in there and pictured what it must have been like that day. There must have been chaos. So he was put on trial in the morning and then all through the morning, right through to 12 o'clock, he was beaten by the Roman soldiers. Crown of thorns put on him, stripped of his clothing. Incredible beating and pain. Can you imagine the discouragement and weariness in Jesus? And then they said, come, we're gonna walk. And they walked up, up through that road and up to Golgotha. He was so tired, they had another man carry his cross for him. All his main his disciples had disappeared. Mary Magdalene, Mary, and perhaps the apostle John following, crying and weeping, asking them, please save his life. But Jesus knew what he was born for. And he walked up to Golgotha and they crucified him at 12 with two other people on either side, two murderers. And he said he hung up on the cross for three hours. But I think in about two and a half hours, they would, we forget about the two murderers on either side of him. One of the murderers was making threats at him. 
questioning who he was and saying, if you're the son of man, why don't you come down and solve this situation? Bitter in his heart. But there was another murderer. And I think when it got to two and a half hours and he realized that death was imminent for him, he was watching this man in the middle. Looked at the love in his eyes. Looked at what he was doing. And in a moment of desperation, he cried out to me, said, Lord, please remember me today in paradise. Three hours came and Jesus declared it is finished and died. And I often thought to myself, what happened of that murderer who asked? And I think if you can picture it, I think he arrived at heaven's gate. And I'm not sure who's at heaven's gate. Maybe it's Peter, maybe it's an angel, I don't know. But I can imagine the angel looking at this murderer and go, how did you get in here? And that murderer must have stood there for a while and the angel must have asked him, did, did you go to church? Did, did you know Jesus? Did you pray? Did you get baptized? And this guy was, no, no. No, and eventually in exasperation, the murderer must have looked at the angel and said, no, 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 it was never about me. It was him. It was him who saved me. It was him who made a way for me. It was him that died for me. It was him that set me free. It was him that gave me grace. It was him that turned my life around. It was him that gave me a new name. And the angel said, come inside. And that murderer must have ran to meet his Jesus. And I thought to myself, this is what, this is how we step out of discouragement and weariness is that we put our eyes on Him because He was born to carry the load for you and I. In a weary world, there's wisdom for you and I. There's Jesus that we can stand on and rest in. And I was wondering if you're watching online right now, I'm gonna take a moment to pray. So why don't you stand with me and uh, just really wanna pray a simple prayer. just to remind ourselves this morning that in spite of how we're feeling, we can trust in Him, that He is more than able. And so Father, I just thank You for this morning, Lord. I thank You for Your Word. I thank You for this reminder from the book of Nehemiah that no matter the circumstance around us, we can fuel up and feel strong. We may know Your grace and Your rest today. That today, Lord, we needn't rule the world. We can hand it over to You because You are on the throne that you reign and you rule and that you know us and you love us. And that in a weary world, you offer us an invitation to come to you, Jesus. And so Lord, today we do. If you're feeling fragile this morning, frustrated, we can come to him and hand our burdens over to him. I thank you for that, Jesus. So I pray today, Holy Spirit, that you would touch people's heart that for those who are seeking an answer, an answer may be found in you, Jesus. For those who are looking for comfort, they'd be found in you, Jesus. We thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Wisdom for a weary world.